Dotnet Rocks episode 807 with guest Bill Wagner. Recorded live Wednesday, September 26th, 2012. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklins.net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering GesturePack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at gesturepak.com. And now here are Carl and Richard. This is the biggest crowd we've had on the road trip so far. Yeah, um, it's, yeah? 100,000. <laughs> At least 100,000. At least 100,000. Wow, uh, Omaha, who knew? You guys had such a thriving .NET community. Give yourselves a big hand. Uh, we're here with Bill Wagner. Bill, how about a hand for Bill? Thanks, guys. An inspiring talk about change. Sure. And uh, the embracing of change. And what I really liked out was your impetus to put something out there every once in a while. Take a risk. Be a superhero. Man, I can't say enough how important that is. Take a calculated risk. Yeah, or just keep placing bets and keep trying to uh, make a positive difference somewhere. I think one of the challenges there, and I don't want to get all maudlin on this particular thing, is knowing when the horse is dead and you should stop whacking at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, we've got, so, so we've got a small company and we're often investing in new technologies mm -hmm. and we're trying new different things. There's a closet full of stuff that we're not <laughs> pulling out. Yeah. Uh, well, and I also, you know, the, the, I don't just say that, it's to say don't try stuff because it, it might die, but also folks recognizing, I mean, we get some, I, we get some emails, I mean, folks write us email all the time on the show, and we read a lot of email, mm -hmm. but there are emails that we get that literally say, please do not read this, I just like your advice. Right. And it's typically career type advice, and then one of the ones that I responded to just recently, yep. I know you were in that loop, and I said, you know, it sure sounds like your career at that company is actually dead, just nobody's got around to telling you. Right. Why, they're you dropping know, like flies and yeah. pulling up the resources. And we, we had a conversation like that at Codemash a while back where there, there was an open space talk that, um, that got started where the title was Change Your Organization or Change Your Organization. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and at some point, you kind of have to do that. That's, and that's a, uh, take it from a, man, a management natural of change the people or change, change the, the people. people. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, I find that... It's interesting listening to people who are recruiters trying to bring people into this business or look for jobs. Mm -hmm. and, and when we're trying to hire people, we really have a, a big problem working with recruiters because mm -hmm. they're looking for, you know, what skills do you want? You know, do you want three years of ASP.NET, three years, you know, five years of C Sharp, mm -hmm. six years, of, you know, whatever it right. is. And we're like, you know, we want people who understand this stuff and are thinking. Right. Yeah, but we can't find that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, or they can't measure it easily. Right, right. That is a yeah. lot harder. 
have people just, we have different puzzles or something that we'll do and we'll pair program with somebody and mm-hmm. you know, try to knock out some code for a couple hours. And then once we do that, then you know, you've got a pretty good idea if we really want to keep working with that person. You learn so much about someone uh, by just sitting down and coding with them for a few minutes. Oh, it does. Oh, yeah. you know, and, and what's amazing is you don't just learn whether or not they can code. You learn if I'm going to want to work with this person. Right. Because you, know, you start asking them about something, they're like, oh, no, this is the way I'm going to do it. Yeah. Uh, did you think about this? No, this is what... Do you I have a way. Don't mess with my way. <laughs> you think uh, it's pretty common in our industry for people to feel like they don't want to put themselves out there and make themselves look vulnerable, that they don't understand something? I think that's common in almost every industry. Mm. You know, whether it's, whether it's this, whether it's, it's um, uh, you know, lawyers. Have you ever tried to get a lawyer to say a straight thing yeah. ever yeah. in public? Right. Right. Uh, they're know. the ultimate it depends guy. Yeah, 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 you know, and this is not real legal advice, you know, and all this. Oh, right. what do you mean by like, <laughs> is? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, and so I think that that's a natural human reaction, right? You know, nobody wants to, you know, face that rejection. You um, know, I, I learned this from sales guys, and I got into the habit many, many years ago mm-hmm. when I when I was actually doing this kind of work was to interview routinely. Sales guys are always interviewing. In fact, I've gotten to a point now as an employer where. If I won't hire a sales guy who's not interviewing routinely because that means he's no longer working. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, I'm looking for a home is not a good thing. That pressure of, you know, I go where the money is, I go where I can right. be successful, and I'm always looking for the next thing and, and being cognizant of that. I think if two, and it really addresses two issues. One is tech people are notoriously bad interviewers. Yeah. They're just like stunningly bad. And the second <laughs> what is, Remind yourself of what's important and what's worthwhile and that you're good at stuff because often we get caught in the spiral and don't know what we're good at anymore. Oh, yeah. Well, and, yeah. and often I think that, that what gets hard is you have, you know, and this gets back to that looking for very specific skills when, when companies hire. You're looking for, oh, I need somebody who can do this. And then you become, you know, I can go back in time and remember a friend of mine who was the person who knew printer drivers. Right. Right. And that was all they did. Yeah. You know, mm. and then... They didn't need any more printer drivers, and you don't need the person who knows printer you, drivers. Now anymore. I remove the widget and send right, it on right. his way. Yeah, and you but know, I, you don't I think want to there's a point of this of not casting yourself as a widget. I am not the sum total of the individual skill, the individual products I've learned. Right. You know, it's not I can write code in C sharp or whatever it is. You know, it's it's that I can understand how to create software and I can explain it to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and probably learning how to learn and knowing how to learn and learn quickly and problem solve, therein, there's the whole meat of it right there. I mean, if you can adapt your skills to a new technology quickly and understand it and master it, um, you're, you're the guy everybody wants to hire. Oh, absolutely. Or girl. And, I, and I think some of that is taking risks and then looking at it and moving on. Um, we had a a great workshop that, that we brought in a woman from uh, Florida who teaches improv. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is an amazing experience to just get your mind out there and start to be creative. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and take risks. And, and take yeah. risks. In fact, the first rule of improv, which with this huge crowd we should try to do again, is the first rule of improv is after you do any kind of improv, you have to say, I failed as loud as you possibly can. 
because you're <laughs> going to every time you improv. So, right, right? One, two, three. See, there you go. Uh, that clearly, wasn't so bad. Clearly right? failed at that, actually. You yeah. probably get it again. Yeah. <laughs> Let's try that again. Yeah. That's how improv works. We're going to try it one more time. Ready? One, two, three. Yeah, See, now I'll go. hire you because, you know, you're at least trying things. <laughs> <laughs> you know where I first heard of improv being mixed with IT and, and specifically developers was Greg Brill from Infusion. Infusion Development, mm-hmm. and you know we a lot. They've they've taken a lot of our listeners actually over yeah. the years. <laughs> over the years, um, and that's what they do. They regularly are required to take pl- part in improv workshops. The, I can see where that could be. Re- you know, it, yeah. it, it just gets your mind really sharp because you have to be thinking of doing things very quickly. Yeah, thinking and you, on your feet. <clears throat> it's not only that; it's also the attitude of no blocking. Right, right. right. You can't pause and you, think, is this going to work or not? And you can't pull back. Like, right. what, if right. someone throws an idea, you know, improv, someone throws an idea, you just run with the idea. Right. Exactly. We'll evaluate good or bad later, mm-hmm. right? Don't block. And right. If you act that way in meetings, the dynamic of the meeting changes in a big hurry. And it's also the blending of metaphors instantly. Like, okay, you're a seagull trying to pick up a pigeon in a bar. Go. <laughs> You know, and <laughs> what? Huh? I've read this great but the book, brain Jonathan can, Livingston Seagull. No, no. But the brain can map like that. Yeah. I'm reading this great book by David Brooks, The Social Animal, and he talks about mapping and how the smartest computer can't say, I'm a pirate, like a two-year-old, or I'm a tree, you know, but I and a tree blend, and now I take on the characteristics of the tree. That is a... That is an amazing thing, but it but it crosses right. the brain. See, and now and now listen to developers when they describe their software. Mm-hmm. They already do that. Mm. You know, they'll they'll read their software as though there's a being right. doing oh, yeah, that no. stuff. So right. then I'm Here comes this the guy. grumpy bit. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I you pass know, that guy of, over the wall to you. You catch that throw. The, this right. guy comes back and catches that. Yeah. So so we do that, but at times we just can't do it with people who aren't you know just as nerdy as we are. Right. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. So, so tell us that you've done some really amazing things with SRT Solutions lately. You've been growing quite a bit. Just tell me some of the things that have been happening with you guys. Oh, wow. Um, so we've, we've added a, a number of new customers, really trying to grow the, the breadth and trying to do a lot of different things. Um, we get to work, you know, since, since we're in Ann Arbor, Michigan, we get to do some work with a few research departments at uh, Michigan. Um, the only sad thing about that is we can't talk about what we're doing there yeah, until right. they publish it. Other sure. than it's, it's really trying to do some things to help um, things either with medicine or with psychiatry or with some of that and help some things get more efficient if mm-hmm. some of the, the, the research that, that they're doing that we're supporting with software um, turns out the way they're hoping it will. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that, so that's really satisfying to get to see some things that may actually really have a, a very big positive impact on yeah. people's lives. Talk about changing the world. That's what you're hoping, right? This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by Telerik JustCode. If you're like me, you're probably using some productivity add-on in Visual Studio to check, refactor, and test your code. But how would you like to get a complete list of your solution's errors on the fly as you type, and not just for the opened files? The new kit on the block, JustCode, does just that for all supported .NET languages as well as JavaScript. It's like having a compiler running all the time, only that JustCode is faster and requires less CPU time. One area where JustCode is definitely better is performance. The tool provides the fastest code analysis and better performance without slowing down Visual Studio. 
Another reason to try it is JavaScript support. It'll help you read, navigate, and refactor your JavaScript code better than you've ever imagined. Learn more about the features JustCode offers and download a trial at Telerik.com slash JustCode. And don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. A couple other interesting things recently. There's a, um, another um, environmental company that's now adding tablet applications to go out on inspections. Mm-hmm. You know, they would typically go out... Um, you know, pad and paper and a and a camera, and then take all these notes, take it back to the office, and somebody puts those all in place. Now they're going out with a small tablet, taking the pictures with the tablet, annotating it. It all just drops right into uh, to the database immediately, so the customers can see what's going on in the field very quickly. Sure. So making people a lot more efficient. You know, helping clean up different things in the environment when they're when the inspections are are done. Wow, so, and I got to think yeah. the new form factor is playing to that in a big way. I think so. There's, there, you know, it's it's so much easier to carry things around now. Mm. Yeah, I've been talking in uh, a talk around tablets the enterprise, saying this idea of taking the computer to the work rather than bringing the work to the computer. Right. And that and it, it, that's partly form factor, but it's suddenly there's a whole lot of people who didn't get to use a computer before because the work wasn't portable that now have a computer available to them. Yeah, think, think about the things that you don't need when, you have, uh, when, you don't, when you're not tied down to a desk. But, you know, all the stuff that you can get rid of, and yeah. starting from the building, right. you know, and moving on to all the infrastructure you know, it, that supports the building. But at times, I don't, I, the, the building, I think, is still sort of important, but more as a social thing mm-hmm. than as a, yeah. you know, this is where we lock everything up. Yeah, right. You know, it's, it's more that... We are so we are social beings, and people get more productive when they're not constantly on their own. Yeah, we gather together for a common purpose. Yeah, so that, those moments mm-hmm. that are powerful. You know, so I think that that that's a big part of it, and and we're starting to put our own little bets out there here and there. Um, our first um, Windows eight app hit the store today. Nice, congratulations! So, yeah. So with the earlier builds, I was starting to do some things, and I'm looking at it and trying to see, see things. And one of the things I saw was missing was there was no calculator in there. I'd have to go over to the desktop side and use it. Mm. So we started to make one. And we figured, you know, this isn't that hard, right? I mean, the math is the same for everybody. Yeah, turns out division still right. division. So, so what we did is we, we, we played with making different skins on it. Mm-hmm. So if you look for steampunk calculator... You know, <laughs> you'll find ours. So the first one is got this is totally steampunk look, and then the second skin that's already out is a, uh, a, a a very simple version for little kids. You know, so the buttons are great, big, look like a three year old's toy. You know, right. and uh, we're going to add a scientific one and do some of that later right. if if the downloads support it, and and see what happens. You know what that calculator app needs? A REST based API. Sure. <laughs> I'm just in that kind of mood. I, okay. I can tell. Okay, that's a really absurd statement, folks, because uh, you're just making an API wrapper around plus and minus, and that's why it's funny. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Stay with me now. <laughs> okay. Nice. Yeah, context. Is it, I, I appreciate your talk on change. It was an, sure. enjoyable, but it's always been true. Like. The, I realize more people are focusing on this right now, and I'm trying to decide what it is about now that it's got us more focused on change than the, the past 15 years, which it had a heck of a lot of change. Mm. Yeah, and this is one of those things I've been puzzling about, too, as I'm looking at and, and trying to think of what I want to do next. You know, I had the two you know, effective C-sharp and more effective C-sharp books. Yeah. Um, 
I did a live lesson on C-sharp puzzlers, mm-hmm. and you know the content's out there, and, and, and I think it's doing fairly well, mm-hmm. but I, I got less enjoyment out of it. The puzzlers. Yeah. And for folks well, who didn't see this book, and, talk and, about it. Okay, so, so the books, Effective C-sharp and More Effective C-sharp, are meant to be, they're, they're a series of small essays. There's 50 essays in each book. The books in total are 250, 300 pages. So small. And they're, uh, so they're small, and, and they're meant to be things that you should try to remember, and then the essays talk about why you should try to remember these things. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the, the reason that we're, the video one just didn't work for me as well is when I was writing the book, I could picture people that I've worked with and, and explaining things to them. Mm. I could never do that as well doing video with nobody there. You know, like in, in, in like the webcast format where you're talking to no one and hoping there's somebody out there. And, and the writing just seemed to go better. So, and, and I was starting to think about what do I want to write next? You know, and, and, and there's enough stuff going on and it's like what, what topic out there is big enough to be meaty enough that I, that I really want to do another book on? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I've started to really work on a couple outlines, so I'm not going to say exactly what it is, but it, it is, you know, there, there's a couple ideas and, it, and I hope to have something out middle of next year probably. Cool. But, um, you know, it's kind of like, what's, what's the big thing that's going on? But there do seem to be these leaps, and then we kind of look and watch, and then leaps. And I think the biggest reason this one feels bigger is almost all the major companies are moving into this mobile space. Right. You know, you've got, you know, Apple obviously with the, the iPhone 5 and the iPad, Microsoft with Windows 8, Windows Phone 8. You've got Droid tablets, the Droid phones. Mm-hmm. There's rumors of an Amazon phone. Yeah. You know, and obviously the Amazon, the Kindle Fire. Um, you know, so there's all, it's like nobody's going, yeah, this mobile thing's a fad. These tablets are <laughs> right. fads. You know, right. I mean, you know, nobody's saying that. So you've got all these things moving. Right. And, and the price point puts them into so many more people's hands. You know, like, like Scott was mentioning, you know, this is giftable, right? You yeah. know, $200. But it also means these are devices that will work in developing countries. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the now it's suddenly, not just first world technology. Right, right. It's not just, you know, so, so suddenly internet connectivity is no longer a first world problem. Right. right? right. It's everywhere. Um, and, 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 the, and I think that's a big deal. That is a huge you know, to make deal. A, to make a huge, huge kind of thing that happens. The, um, we're, we're talking about types of apps and adoption in the enterprise, which is really critical for Microsoft. And I think I uh, gave the reasons in my talk why I think that they have an, uh, an advantage. One is the, the whole security story mm-hmm. and uh, that you know, iPad just doesn't have in the enterprise. And the other is Office, because people love their Excel. You know? And if they can use that and at the same time you know, pick up some apps from the App Store that are that support their work, but they're not necessarily enterprise apps. See, see, and more than that, I think it's 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 the ecosystem that they have around that that I'm waiting to see how they leverage for the enterprise. Mm-hmm. So, if you tried the um, the preview release of the next version of Office, I think it's going to be Office 14 or is what it's called, and put a document in SkyDrive, yeah, and start having multiple people edit it. If they're all editing with Word, you will get change bars of where the other people are actively working on the same document you are. Yeah. Okay. But it will work if you're not connected. You know, so it, it's a stronger story than what Google Docs has right now, you know, where you're relying on the JavaScript and you're doing all that sort of thing. Right. And in, in Google Docs, I've started to run into errors depending on my browser where 
you know, because it's JavaScript and it's drawing on the canvas, I get this bit where I'm typing here, but the characters are showing up in a different spot on the screen. It's really just annoying. That's strange. Yeah, I'm getting the yeah. same problem. Um, but I like this idea that we're actually collaborating now. I mean, it, right. We've had a lot of fake collaboration for a while where I work on a document, Here's I send it to you, yeah. you work yeah. on it, you send it back to me. Right. To have, the first time I ran into this was the old OneNote. Mm -hmm. We were using it for requirements gathering, and I had this strong belief that everybody in the meeting needed to participate in the meeting, and a guy on a keyboard is in the meeting. Mm -hmm. so we, but we could have two people on keyboards, so one of them could be participating, and then they could switch off. Mm -hmm. You weren't just the transcriptionist. You could go back and forth. And then OneNote allowed two people to attach the same document that was up on mm -hmm. the projection screen, mm -hmm. and you could both type literally at the same time. Right, and, and that's one of the things that I think is really important to be able to you know, actually have real meetings with people who have screens and have computers in there. Right. Mm. You know, and, and, and there's times when we occasionally work with large enterprises, and one of the worst things I've ever seen is when you walk in for a meeting, mm -hmm. and everybody opens the laptop. Yeah. You know, and then they're, and then they're gone. They're, right. not they're gone. Yeah. Fifteen minutes in, they're on email. You know yeah. it, yep. right? Because something came in that that they had to do, and and then suddenly the energy in the meeting just approaches zero and nothing else happens. And now you're sitting there wondering, well, why am I here? I can you're go. You're basically, no. ex uh, this is basically my dinner table experience right here. Right. <laughs> so, so what I do when that happens is I text the kids when they're looking at their phone. Yeah, can you please pass the potatoes? Right, right. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. uh, we're, having, we're having technology free dinners now. Yes, we are too. Yeah. And I made the joke just because that is, yeah. a, that is a problem. But, but the only way I could get that to actually happen was to give the wife the smartphone. Uh, right. When she was on it and the kids were annoyed, then technology-free dinners yeah, were possible. Yeah, that's right. You've got to make them annoyed at you <laughs> that's for right. using the technology. Yeah, when, they're, yeah. when they notice that they, you're ignoring them, then the conversation changes. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And, and, and all of us, you know, developers especially, have that you know, superpower. Right, that's that right. I haven't checked my phone in five minutes. There must, <laughs> yeah. there must be an email I'm missing. So know? now, now the next get, the next thing we're doing at the lunch meetings is everybody has to take their phone out and put it face down. Right. And mm -hmm. the first person who turns it over buys lunch. Mm -hmm. Ah, that's, that's a good, good. one. I, I like, like that. that. I like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, you know, I remember Kim Cameron on the show ages ago yeah. talking about, he, and he was really an identity guy, but he talked about attention. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the topic, when you talk about change, we, I feel like we're hitting a threshold of attention problems, of the, a level of distraction so severe, a lot of stuff is breaking. Like, we're on a cusp here of just the, that, honestly, the most respectful thing I can do to you now is actually give you your, my attention. And it doesn't happen much anymore. Sorry, did you say something? Nice. You know, I, and I think we've been on that road for a while. Yes. I mean, Twitter is this amazing time sink. Oh, yeah. yeah. But know, remember when Twitter, Facebook was Facebook, the time sink? email, you know, right. yeah. and they're all hitting us. I mean, one of the things that I, I just got in the habit of doing is, you know, Outlook or, or any mail client has this feature to notify you when you get mail. The toast box. Right. Toast boxes or whatever. Turn that off, yeah. you know, and I and I make it so I will not check email other than it like two or three times during the day. I moved it onto a different computer. Yeah, yeah. Dev machine mm -hmm. has none of it. Yeah. They, they, there is I call it, I used to call it the communications machine. I now call it the noise machine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's got the email and the Twitter client and the IM client and the Skype client and right. all of the stuff that makes noise. And you can schedule time to look at See, it. And yeah. See, an IM is different. We're trying to be respectful of each other in the office, and and that's a, a way to 
get quick questions answered. Yeah. Or, you know, start an IM client and then turn that into a desktop sharing if people are in different places. Sure. And try to do that. But it's it's really not meant to be the, you know, let's keep this thing going all day long. Yeah, yeah. I send, send push a postcard under the door. You know, that's right. the idea. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I do, I, yeah, my big trick is if I start email in the morning, I've lost the day. If you actually want to get any writing or coding or anything done, you got to do that first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So once you turn the email on, that's the end of it. Right. Or I send all my emails first and put everything in somebody else's court and then turn it off. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I've just yeah. never got to the send all part. Yeah. I get subway through and then it's the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So we're not, we haven't even talked about how the whole social dynamic around texting, and if you do not answer texts right away, you're somehow snubbing the person, right? You know, that seems almost generational. Our kids are like this in that, and it, both my wife and I used to get annoyed because we've got two in college, and we'll text them, and you won't hear back. Right. And it's like, I know they see this. Yeah. Because I've seen them with their phones. I know they've seen this. and But it's... Then you watch them text, and they'll throw something out there, and then they won't care. And you know, forty-five minutes later, they'll get the answer back. Right. And a text is like that. It's like it's out there. It'll come back. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. It is not a real-time communication. No. Game. No. Yeah. I, th- I think it's just our expectation that we expect it to come back right away. Right. And then when we do that, people pick up on those cues, and so they text us right away, <laughs> and then you're just you know pouring gas in the fire. Oh yeah. Surfing the web? Yeah, you ever try to surf the web on your phone? It's a little small. Especially when you're looking at a big list like the feature list of Actor Reports. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we've been using it for 15 years. You know, the coolest new feature, I think, is the new Silverlight Report Viewer. What's cool about it, of course, is it's both native Silverlight for printing, but it's also got PDF support, so that really minimizes the amount of data that has to come over the wire. Makes it a lot more efficient. Well, we've been looking for a good solution for Silverlight data viewing. Yeah, it's a great product. I, I think I'm going to order it. Not on that. No, not on here. I'll go to my desk first. Active reports from Component One. Smarter components for smarter developers. Let's turn our speculation hat on a little bit. And because one of the things that was amazing, just to sidetrack about your talk, was the story of Steve Jobs and <laughs> how. I mean, you can tell the story, but it really illustrated to me that the biggest changes happen when nobody believes the change is going to happen. Yeah, so, uh, and where I heard this story was in um, the last interview that Steve Jobs and Bill Gates did together. And they, they talk about their careers through this thing for about two and a half hours. And there's one spot where Steve Jobs talks about when he came back to Apple. Mm. And he, he wanted to come up with new products because they were... You know, he was telling them, you know, we're just losing too much market share to the Windows PCs. We've got to have a non-PC kind of product, something else. And he wanted to make this portable music player. And the board held a vote of no confidence with him that he barely survived because they were convinced. You know, and, and, and think of the marketplace before the iPad or the iPod came out. And it was all, you know, the Sony Walkman, the Discman, the well, you had MP3 the, players. Yeah, you had the Creative Zen right. and the little mm-hmm. uh, and, and ones, but they weren't very good. The board was convinced that there was no room for another 
portable music player. Right. There just isn't. They'd already raced to the ground, the floor at that point. Right. They were yanking them as cheaply as they possibly could. Right. And here comes this thing, and, and Steve Jobs comes and says, no, we're going to do this, we're going to do it better, it's going to be simpler, it's going to be easier to use, it's going to do all this, and boom. You know, and that really revived the company. But yeah. he almost got fired again over that. Yeah. yeah. Because he had they to make didn't a big believe bet. him. Yeah. Yeah. Now, okay. Now, I'm not comparing myself to Steve Jobs because uh, I'm sitting here and he's not. But, um, oh, I'm sorry. But, no, no. I, the, the story that I wanted to tell was when I started .NET Rocks, mm -hmm. I liked listening to the radio. Mm -hmm. And everybody was video. Video was the, the holy grail of the internet. But it wasn't there yet. Right? right, but you could make an MP3 and you could send it around. And uh, I wanted to do radio on the internet. And I remember getting this from Microsoft people. I got this from developers. I got it from everybody who I told about it. Why aren't you doing video? You know, why aren't you doing video? And I thought, well, I look at my life. I like to listen to the radio when I'm doing dishes and when I'm walking the dog and when. You know, when I'm out and doing other things, and when I'm watching video, I'm sitting there watching video. I don't particularly like, feel good about myself when I'm watching TV all day, but when I'm out doing stuff and listening to, you know, inspiring stuff and, you know, synapses are firing. Right. So, but, but and then podcasting, right? Mm -hmm. and I'm not comparing myself, but, but it just is a little story that it, uh, is the same kind of principle, that things, big changes happen when nobody thinks they're going to happen. No, and, and it's when you actually think things through and listen to what you want. Right. You know, and, and that also helps make better products, I think, if it's like, well, I wouldn't use this, but I think there's a market for it. Right. You know, the, the, the focus groups say this will, you know. Right. And, yeah. um, and I think if you, if you look at the things that we do with computers, you know, and, and, and the form factors that I want, you know, how much do I, do I want to carry in my bag every day? Mm -hmm. How many devices do I want to carry? Yeah. Why do I need all these extra peripherals? How should it be designed? Um, you know, and that gets to where I think that then you can start to see that, yeah, this one's going to be a success, which is why I really like the Surface is, is having used the Build tablet from last year for quite some time. I, the on-screen keyboard is really painful to create reasonable yeah. hunks of content. Mm -hmm. um, so having that the keyboard cover, I think, is a tremendous innovation, mm -hmm. yeah. and I can't wait to get one of those. And it's going to be light. Mm -hmm. And what do you think? You like you like a real keyboard? How do you like the on-screen keyboard out there? Yeah, but not not that good. <laughs> mm -hmm. But it does make a little clicking sound. That's kind of nice. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and and I use it when I'm you know reading email, and if I have a two or three sentence email to right. to respond quick, I'll use the on-screen keyboard. But if I actually have to, yeah, you know. Three or four paragraphs, that's just painful. It is painful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can't touch type that. You can't, no. there's no, that, no flow to that keyboard. You mm -hmm. just have to try and use it. Yes. It, and it, it's frustrating to me that the re still to this day, the reference Win 8 tablet is that build tablet, which was an odd tablet to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't it, particularly well. Well, it runs Visual Studio, which is not something I think a normal tablet should be expected to do. On a, such well, a small screen, too. Yeah, see, that, that's where I think there's multiple different form factors. And this gets to that, how many devices do I want to carry? Yeah. You know, and, that, and, and we're looking at this with the family with, with do we want a, a WinRT one or an Intel one? Right. And what do we want to do with it? Um, and, and it gets to what you want to put on it. You know, and I think Visual Studio, I, I don't see 
running on a pure tablet. No. For an, and, and I don't see a Windows Store version of it because you can't really sandbox a debugger. No, it's right. not that kind of product. But right. that's the thing is software development is not a normal thing for people to do. Mm. You know, this room right. accepted. Sure. Right? Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like I want my family to have RT tablets because yeah. of the lower tech support for me. Right. Exactly. This is the gift that I can give them that gives back to me in a big way because right. they just can't mess that machine up. They can't install right. dumb stuff on it. And, and, and there's a few things that, are, that I think has, has to get there for that to really be the successful machine they want it to be. Mm -hmm. and, and sadly, I think one of those, it, it, iTunes has to get on there somehow. Um, just oh. Actual iTunes, or you yep. mean an equivalent? Actual that's, iTunes. I don't think I don't that's going to happen. happen. I know, I know, but I think, but, but sadly, and, and I think remember, that's one of the big things. I just said the big change happens when nobody thinks right. it's going to yeah. happen. So, yeah. you know, if they but you're also that, talking about iTunes. I'd rather stick needles in my eyes. That's the nasty piece of software. It is, but so many people use it. Yeah. It's basically yeah. a virus. That yeah. What you really want is a piece of software. It's a that, virus for spreading QuickTime. Yeah. Well, so. and, you know, and, and honestly, it's worse than that because you talk about the support issues. Yeah. You know, both daughters' machines had a huge problem with iTunes with a new release last year and it was because the MySQL installation that comes as part of iTunes was messed up. Right. Who outside of this room and, and your listeners are, would figure that one out no, and no. fix it? Or know what MySQL you know, is. Yeah. yeah. This is the product opportunity is embrace and extend iTunes. Mm -hmm. A different tool that goes finds your iTunes libraries and gives you a, a view to it that doesn't suck. Yeah. Right. Yes. That's yeah. a product. Mm-hmm. That doesn't break, that isn't perpetually shoving QuickTime in my face, that isn't constantly needing updates, and its updates are more important than anything I'm working on. <laughs> Not that I'm upset about it. How do you feel about I'm that, just, really? I'm just, you know, trying to hold back. Oh, yeah, it's, and it's the same thing. And I'll, my daughter will say, Dad, my fan's going on my laptop. Yes. Yeah. And it you, has been for the last 30 minutes, and that can mean only one thing. iTunes. iTunes is running. <laughs> there's, nothing, there's nothing else that does that. Except maybe a few SETI at home work units. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, what's next for you, sir? <sighs> I don't know. Well, you've got an app in the app store. We've got an app in the app store. Um, you know, there's, we've got a, a number of ideas uh, that we're experimenting with and playing with. And, and as any of them get ready to release, I think we're going to release a few more. Have you got a gold rush sort of, I need to get there first kind of mindset to this? Um, I don't know that you need to get there first, but I do think you need to get there early enough that you're not totally lost. Well, because I, you know. I look at the Apple, I know the Apple Store mm -hmm. celebrates the... 600,000 mm. apps, but I think that's a disaster. Like, you can't find anything. And, and yeah, and I think Get that's going to be something. Get off my lawn, will you? you know, 10 year old well, kids. Well, and, and, and how do you come up with search terms yep. that finds that how thing do, how that you're looking I, for? How do I, as a developer who wants to build products in that space, have an opportunity to succeed? Right. And I think right now, when the store is young, Mm -hmm. You have a better opportunity. That's just a good reason to get moving soon. So how do, you know, that's the thing. If you think about the rating system, how do people find the stuff to begin with? Is it, does it start with, you know, a one, one app gets uploaded, it has no stars, somebody stumbles across it or, or gets it, goes, wow, I'm going to rate this five stars, and then it just snowballs from there? I mean, I... I how, how does that I happen? Know. I think you know, it happens well, well, outside of iTunes is what I'm getting at. I right, think it, and I think in that's... In social networks and in all you know, of and that I, And stuff. I think that's one of those things that they're really, you know, the, the Microsoft editors at the store are very, very protective of how that happens so you can't game it. 
Right. And, and I and I really don't know, but I do think, you know, if you look at Amazon reviews or you look at Stack Overflow or anything like that, mm. that kind of a concept that the good stuff is going to bubble up yeah. is what they're really counting on. Yeah, and I, I think what I'm saying is I think most of that, uh, you know, hey, check this out, happens outside the store. I think I mean, the corollary to your referring. point there is really don't just send it to the store and think it's going to happen. Right. right. Now the work starts. you got to get it in front of people who are going to love it and talk about it. Right, and I think that's one of the things that they do well is when you get your app in the store, you know, they'll send you a link when it's released that says, you know, here's where your app is in the store. You can right. share this with people. Yeah. And then, you know, you can blog about it, you can tweet about it, you can get your friends to talk about it, you know, and hopefully build some buzz about that. Um, and then anybody who goes to that page, there's a link on there that says view this app in the store to get it. Right. Right. So you can then, if you're on a Windows 8 machine, it will then launch the store itself and go, do you want to download this? You know, and, I th and I think those things are, are significant to be able to, to help build that, that kind of a buzz around an app. Well, again, Bill, your talk was very inspirational. It's, uh, it's pertinent, certainly, and, so. uh, and uh, very uh, informative as well. Well, thanks for having me. It was uh, fun to come out to Omaha. Bill Wagner, ladies and gentlemen, give me a hand. And we'll see you next time on Dotnet Rocks! Hey, thanks for listening. And remember, Pluralsight.com is where you can get 200 minutes of free video training by guests on .NET Rocks and other experts in the field. Pluralsight.com. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band.